It's Thursday, April 30th, episode 25 of the Shutdown Sports Wagon Podcast starts now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Um, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, that's why I typically am uh, lurking around, uh, checking out uh, what's going on in the world on Twitter, uh, talking about other issues, podcasts, that sort of thing. It's it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, so again, just kind of back to talk about some of the things that are happening currently. Um, some big news dropped on Wednesday from the NCAA. So I'll talk about that because that's uh, been something that uh, a lot of people have been talking about. Um, a couple notes as far as what's happening in the world of sports from news. Um, first, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned Wake Forest. Uh, fired Danny Manning. Um, they came to terms with their new coach. So they hired from East Tennessee State, Steve Forbes. So I went through his his resume uh, a couple shows ago, but essentially, as I mentioned, he was uh, one of the most uh, successful mid-major uh, coaches uh, currently in, in the business right now. Uh, he was a former assistant at Tennessee. So that was kind of key in his hiring at Wake Forest because Wake Forest's current athletic director was the AD in Knoxville when uh, Steve Forbes was an assistant there. So usually um, if you pay close attention to a lot of hiring, um, if you understand or know the relationships that coaches and ADs have, sometimes, you know, ADs typically will leave jobs. So sometimes you'll be an AD one place, you'll get hired somewhere else, or you may be an assistant AD and you'll get an AD job. And usually you, you build, you obviously build relationships with the coaching staff that's in that's in place. So knowing him as an assistant coach, as the athletic director at um, uh, Tennessee was probably very helpful in his hiring. But also, as we mentioned, um, 130 wins in five seasons. He was the longest tenured coach in the Southern Conference. So that hopefully um, will um, serve him well as he tries to um, come in and kind of rebuild the Wake Forest programs or kind of get them to that next kind of, I don't say the next level because Wake Forest um, is familiar with success. They've won ACC titles. They have had some great players come from that program. Um, it's just been, you know, kind of hard to kind of get the program to a point. And, and as I mentioned a couple of shows ago, recruiting has never been a problem. They get really good players um, it's just, you know, there's just something about the chemistry just wasn't working or, you know, you know, Danny Manning has had success. I mean, let's not uh, take that away from him. You know, he was, you know, assistant at Kansas for a long time, his alma mater. Then he went to Tulsa where he, uh, had, a, had a really good run. Um, and then he was hired at Wake Forest. So, I mean, you know, you know, I think Danny Manning, um, you know, he will coach again, uh, somewhere at some point. Um, but again, you know, uh, as we mentioned, there was a really big buyout to, um, you know, again, to make this happen, unfortunately. Um, and I think if I recall correctly, we were talking seven figures for that to occur. So with that said, um, you know, Steve Forbes, congratulations. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what things are going to happen in Winston-Salem. Um, the other news of note, uh, and, you know, I guess this is one of those things that, you know, the, the writing has been on the wall for some time, but the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals released uh, Andy Dalton today. So, I mean, they took, uh, they had the first pick, they took Joe Burrow from LSU. So you kind of knew that that was um, uh, coming. Um, so 
a lot of things with Andy Dalton. So first of all, you know, he had, you know, his, 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 his statistics are just fantastic. So uh, in nine years in Cincinnati, 204 touchdowns, uh, uh, 2,700 uh, completions. He is second to Kenny Anderson in passing yards uh, for the franchise. So he has 31,594 passing yards franchise. So number two in Cincinnati uh, Bengals history. But uh, again, you know, uh, he injured his thumb in 2015 and, um, you know, ESPN kind of showed the stats, you know, for the first uh, four seasons, you know, his record was, you know, 50, 26 and one uh, after the thumb injury, he was 15 games below 500. So from 2016 to 2019, um, his QBR was 27th amongst uh, all quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, uh, 27 out of 30 qualifying quarterbacks. So, you know, again, you know, that you can see the effect that injury has on a player. I mean, we know it, we see it, we've, we've seen many examples of that, but that really, you know, changed essentially not him. I mean, you know, I, you know, Dalton, he'll play again. He's 32. He'll play again. I mean, he's, he's, he's a veteran. He's been to the playoffs. Now, again, we can also talk about the fact that Cincinnati didn't really have a lot of success in the playoffs. And that's a whole nother story. I mean, you can look at, you know, coaching, you can look at, you know, you can look at a myriad of factors, but nevertheless, He's, you know, he's played the game at a high level very well. Um, he's played it for um, a number of years. So, I mean, you know, again, there there will be teams who will be extremely interested in talking to Andy Dalton and bringing him into the fold. So so all the best to him. But I mean, uh, uh, there um, I, I don't know if that's their GM who said this, but they said, um, uh, quote, he, he, uh, Andy Dalton will, quote, will always be considered a key member of the Bengals organization, close quote. So with that, um, we kind of segue into um, some news from the NCAA. So this is, uh, I saw this ad in Political Magazine and it kind of coincides with another article that I was reading from, that I read from the Washington Post Magazine that came out uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so the NCAA on Wednesday, they Finally, and in the in the Washington Post article, they mentioned this proposal would hit in April. So here we are at the end of April. And the proposal unveiled on Wednesday would allow college athletes to earn money from their use of name, image and likeness or what's referred to as an NIL. Um, so the NCAA, if you are aware of this, the NCAA has a really big lobbying presence in Congress and their lobbying has been to the point that a lot of uh, members of Congress, either in Senate or the House, have been looking at ways to try to either assist college athletes. So, for example, if you think about a college football player and the wear and tear that their body goes through. So you have a lot of players who, you know, don't go to the NFL, but they have a lot of wear and tear on their bodies and, you know, they are treated, you know, during their playing time. But what happens when they leave college and maybe they, you know, and they go get a job and they go to, you know, use their degree to get a job. And what if these are lingering injuries? So how do they take care of those things? Or if you get a player that, you know, career ending injury. So who covers all that? So there have been bills proposed for, you know, uh, covering these medical bills uh, for a certain period of time 
uh, to you know ease that financial burden on these players. And the NCAA bills like that have been snuffed out. They don't even make it out of committee because of the high level of lobbying that is done by the NCAA. So not just the NCAA. The NCAA spends probably about six figures in lobbying. Um, conferences like the ACC, the Big 12 also spend a lot of money to lobby Congress on these issues having to do with student athletes, um, you know, scholarships, name, image, likeness, these sorts of issues. Um, so in order for this proposal to work, the NCAA would request an, an exemption from federal antitrust laws. So the reason for this is that if they get the exemption, that protects the NCAA from any lawsuits if the new rules are approved and passed. So they can make the rules, but because of these antitrust laws, because again, you know, antitrust laws, you know, allow for non-collusion, they break up monopolies and things of that nature. The NCAA is the only game in town. They regulate college sports. So if they get that exemption, then they cannot be sued um, on the uh, prima facie uh, type of um, rules that are on the books here. Um, so the NCAA has a vested interest in this, um, although it seems like it's taken them a very long time to come around to this, because what we're seeing here is a number of states have either passed laws or are working on laws to allow players to use their name, image and likeness for uh, different things to gain money. So, for example, California, Governor, Governor Gavin Newsom recently uh, last year. Um, signed into law their version of that bill. Colorado just recently signed their bill last month. You have 30 states who are debating or are coming up with the final uh, pieces of legislation to pass similar laws. So these laws allow athletes to pitch products to make money from social media influence. But there are what the NCAA wants is one rule. So they want one rule as opposed to 50 different rules. So another way to think about this is if there's no one rule, if the NCAA doesn't pass this proposal and every state makes a rule, that in a way can give states certain advantages. For example, recruiting. So California, you've got the UC schools, you've got um, uh, you, you've got uh, Stanford, which is a private institution. Um, they can have those laws on the books that would be attractive to a student athlete to say, well, I can go to California and play for any of these schools and I can make money off my name, image and likeness. While places like Texas and places like Kansas and, and, and the like, they wouldn't have similar rules. So thus they would lose out on recruits. So, again, the idea here is the NCAA wants one rule. So that one rule allows student athletes to be paid. So they're lobbying Congress to override the state laws so they can work on one rule and we even the playing field. Because we all know that in, in general that there is I wouldn't say it's an uneven uh, spread of the power in college football. But let's just say this. We all know the schools and college football and college basketball that have the advantage. Those schools that essentially are the you know, the, the, the big time schools, we know who these schools are. So essentially we want an even playing field. Now, the other piece to this is the NCAA is allowing the schools to develop the guidelines for how the rules will work. So for example, could athletes be barred from promoting things like 
alcohol, tobacco, clothing, shoes. Here's the thing with shoes and apparel. Um, how about this? Many of these schools have apparel deals, uh, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour. So in many cases, what you see is if you know a, a, a young man go or a young woman goes to a Nike school, they typically, and they're this big time athlete, typically if they're going to go to the next level of whatever sport they're playing, they're typically going to sign, in many cases, a deal with the same company. Now, if, say, you have this student athlete that goes to a Nike school and then gets approached by Under Armour, uh, in many cases, the way the rules sh are being proposed to be written is they shouldn't have that conflict of interest. Like, you can't go to a Nike school and you can't um, do uh, any kind of product promotion for an opposing apparel maker or shoemaker. So again, these are the types of things that schools are going to have to um, work out. And the NCAA is putting that in their lab. Um, so we're about uh, eight months out, eight or nine months out from the final vote on this. So again, th this is proposed now. I'm sure that this is in front of the committees, in front of the schools to try to figure this out. So the final vote will occur in January of 2021. The new rules will take effect in the fall of 2021 for the 2021 school year. Um, so let's kind of look at the things that the athletes can do. So, for example, athletes can earn money from uh, in addition to you know, potentially, if we say they can earn money from, you know, name, image, likeness, they can potentially earn money from whatever the schools decide, shoes, apparel and whatever. Athletes can also earn money from camps and, and endorsement deals. But when they do this, they cannot use the school lo logo or trademarks in their product pitches. So, again, they can pitch products, but they can. They have to be essentially independent agents. And that's essentially what they're going to be. They're going to sign contracts that are with third parties, not with the university. So essentially what they're going to do is they're going to be this third party. Plus, they will be also um, having a scholarship and that scholarship will ensure that they, you know, you know, cover room, board, food, and then they're able to make the money off their name, image and likeness. Um, the other things that they, the NCA is concerned about with this, that schools and conferences cannot be involved. So as I just mentioned, the athletes will not and cannot be employees of the school. Um, the other piece that is going to be tricky is the regulation of agents, advisors, and boosters. So that's kind of another sticking point that people are thinking about, that here are boosters. And so here's a kid who can make money from, say, uh, uh, some sort of endorsement. So here you have a booster that says, I have uh, this business. So come and come down and do a commercial for me and I'll pay you so much money to endorse my, you know, my um, my barbecue restaurant or something. But you kind of have to define the relationship there. So if, if this is just strictly, OK, I'm going to pay you money to be in a commercial eating my food and sitting in my restaurant and engaging my customers, that's one thing. Uh, if you're going to be on my Instagram post, or you're going to be on my Twitter feed. That's fine. But where does that relationship, where, where's the line that we're going to draw? So do you get a situation where all of a sudden it's okay, well, um, I'm going to make you an employee and you're going to get certain perks or you're going to get stock in my company or, you know, so we kind of have to figure out where to draw the line.
so that there is no, in essence, uh, impropriety in keeping that relationship strictly a business relationship where you're making money off the name, the image and the likeness of that particular student athlete. OK, so, I mean, a lot of issues that have to be um, addressed. But here's the interesting thing about this whole proposal. So they've been talking about this in Congress for a while now with everything going on. This is probably the one thing that is probably flying under everyone's radar. But these sorts of things in, in, in the Washington Post article, they talked about, you know, one Congress uh, Congress uh, person admitted that this this type of legislation is difficult to pass simply because or, you know, any kind of legislation dealing with these issues is difficult to pass when everyone is so divided. If everyone's on the same page, sure, you get a lot done, but you also have to worry about the NCAA kind of coming in and saying, well, no, we don't want that to happen or talking to certain Congress people and say, make sure that this bill disappears. But the nice thing about this is this has a lot of bipartisan support. So, again, something like this. You wouldn't expect it to, but it does. And the article started off talking about a, a Republican, a Republican congressman from North Carolina, who visited uh, ESPN analyst Jay Billis. So Jay Billis, if you're not aware, he is also a practicing lawyer. So he visited uh, Billis's office in, in, in Charlotte, and they sat and had a conversation about this. So if you know Jay Billis, you know that he is very much an advocate for this type of bill, this type of rule that he is very much an advocate for athletes getting paid for a name, image and likeness. Because again, let's think about this. How much money do these universities make off of these kids playing the game, their their jerseys, uh, you know, just different products associated with particular programs? If you think about college football and college basketball and you look at the top five programs from each, each one, you know, especially football, football makes a ton of money. And in some respects, depending on what school you're talking about, football usually is the program that makes all the money that drives the other program. So, again, uh, if you're familiar with Title IX, um, there has to be equal representation and equal um, uh, funding across the board for men's and women's sports. So in many cases, a lot of money that's generated revenue from football in some schools has to go to support other schools to ensure that Title IX is, um, you know, is uh, carried out efficiently and effectively. In other words, that schools are uh, adhering to Title IX as, as a as a federal uh, a federal mandate. So, all that said, it you know, Billis is a, a a big advocate of players getting paid. He was approached by his Republican congressman. They sat and they talked. And he really feels like it's something that he really wants to press and push. There are a lot of Democrats and Republicans working together on this. Many are former athletes themselves. Um, there's a one Republican from uh, Michigan who played tennis in college. And he said that he could not put up an ad to say to people, hey, I can teach you how to play tennis. He couldn't do that. That's against the rules. But think about that. Think about a player who plays golf or tennis or some sport that Hey, I want to learn how to play the sport. You have a young kid who has, you know, and, and they talked about entrepreneurial spirit. So Republicans are thinking it from this way that, OK, you can, you know, uh, build a business, be entrepreneurial and, you know, sell your wares. OK, if I know how to play a sport and I can teach you how to play that sport, 
I can charge you so many, uh, so much money per lesson, or I can charge you so much per hour to teach you how to play golf, how to play tennis, make some extra money on the side, still go to school, still get a scholarship and play the game that I like and get a degree. So again, I think it's for me, I've always been an advocate of this because, you know, the universities make a lot of money. The NCAA as a entity has been very, very heavy handed and just not flexible in how this uh, how these rules are just allowing players to do this um, as an organization. I mean, I've learned some things about the NCAA as an organization. They have been a very, very rigid organization for a very, very long time. And I think there was a documentary or some documentary I was watching. And he talked about the NCAA as an entity. And if you think about it, it's just been a slow thaw of their policy. So they've managed to come into at least maybe the end of the 20th century, but they are slowly trying to come into the 21st century with this and allowing these players to earn money from the use of their name, image, and likeness. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, I'm sure we will be hearing more and more about this as um, the year goes, because again, you know, with not very much going on in the field of sport as of right now, and we'll probably see maybe a slow startup in some areas. So we probably won't get as much sports coverage, but we will still be hearing bits and pieces about how this is going to develop from a, uh, from a, um, from a uh, policy standpoint, but I think this will be great for the sport. Um, but again, the NCAA's, um, their position is they want to still have a, um, what's a, uh, they still want to be promote amateurism. That's the word I'm looking for. They want to promote amateurism and that's what they're in the business of doing. All right. So that was the big piece that I wanted to talk about today. Um, I wanted to do another, what if, but I couldn't really think of anything because I'm also looking at the calendar and, you know, towards the end of April, we're getting into um, the beginning of horse racing season. And we know right now, not, not a whole lot is going on on that regard. But one thing I, one other thought I'm having, and that's, again, I'm kind of looking at my random thoughts that I wrote down as I was beginning to, you know, ramp up and start to record again is um, you know, tennis. So I mentioned uh, in a couple episodes ago, the schedule, and I forgot to mention with tennis, that was one other thing I just remember I'll mention in a minute. One other thing with tennis is that um, the schedule, we said that the French Open is in September, the US Open is a schedule, Wimbledon got canceled. So uh, Wimbledon would happen in July. So Wimbledon was canceled. They took out pandemic insurance. They were paying, I believe, like 17 million a year. They cashed in the policy and just raked in probably like 10 times the amount of their policy of the, the policy cost. So Wimbledon is covered. They're going to pay their employees, get all their stuff, you know, keep all their stuff regulated until hopefully they're ready to roll again in 2021. But a thought that I had that lessens the opportunities for Serena Williams to break the all time singles uh, championship record of Margaret Court. So she has now in this year, two opportunities. So the French Open and the U.S. Open, um, you know, I was very high on Serena breaking that record. I think she can still. But I mean, the, the Australian Open was tough. She, you know, couldn't uh, break through there. 
Um, and we got, uh, I believe, a first time. Yeah, we got a first time winner in Australia. So she's got two more opportunities this year, but, um, you know, maybe 2021. But I still feel pretty confident she can and will break the record this year. But we shall we shall see very soon here. Um, one last note. So this is the last note I have. And then we'll wrap up episode 25. It's 25 episodes. I am very pleased. I mean, I don't know how shocked I am. At one point I was recording at least three times a week. So there you go. I managed to get to 25. So yay, yay, yay me. Um, um, I Last episode, I talked about uh, women's college basketball and the, you know, the kind of the lacking diversity uh, in the head coaching ranks uh, for, for women of color, black women specifically. Um, and I mentioned uh, the SEC specifically, and they have a new head coach in Mississippi State. So former ODU head coach Nikki McCray Penson left after three years. She went to Mississippi State. And and I forgot to mention that ODU went out and they hired, um, I think she was at uh, Syracuse, uh, Delisha Milton-Jones, uh, new head coach at ODU. Um, shout out to Coach uh, Milton-Jones. Welcome to Monarch Land. Uh, again, we get a great coach, a coach who was a Wade Trophy winner herself, um, similar style to her, pre- her predecessor. So, I mean, I am... As a monarch, I am excited about the upcoming season and all the great stuff because we were building and we're going to continue to build because if you follow women's college basketball, you know that ODU is one of the original uh, teams, three national titles, um, over a thousand program wins. I mean, it's time for us to get back in into the spotlight. We've been out of the spotlight too long and we we got uh, things building in the right direction with Coach McCray. As I mentioned, I'm so sorry she left, but again, it was her dream to coach in the SEC. But we, 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 we got a great coach who played in the SEC herself at Florida and is uh, going to lead this team. So shout out to uh, uh, Coach Milton Jones and thank you for uh, leading our program. And and that's it. I, I felt after I finished recording the pro- recording last episode and I. I was sitting around thinking about it. I didn't even talk about that. So I um, wanted to make sure I got that on record uh, as being said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for today for episode 25. I appreciate you. I won't say riding with me. I want to say that, but I appreciate you listening because I can't ride in the car right now. <laughs> I don't go anywhere of any distance to record for this long. And as you know, my, my, my podcasts are, relatively short, just kind of give you little tidbits and talk about certain issues in sports. So I'm going to hopefully the next time I record, which maybe tomorrow, I don't know, um, kind of be keeping an eye out what's going on in sports, any new developments, uh, especially on the NFL side. I told you I would talk about top 25, way too early top 25 for basketball. I'll get to that. I saw an interesting article before I came on about the top, I think, 25 coaching hires in the last 15 years or something like that. I'll go through that. It was an interesting list and uh, a lot of big names in that list. Um, really fun. So I may play with that and just kind of talk about that stuff. And I'm trying to think of another what if. Um, I wanted to do um, another thing, Mount Rushmore's of sports, but I'll hold off. You know what? I'm going to go give you one. Come up with, so we all know Mount Rushmore. I think it's what, three heads on Mount Rushmore or four, whatever. Anyway, um, 
I'm supposed to look that up. I don't remember. Um, four. So who's your Mount Rushmore of the best or the greatest college basketball coaches ever? How about that? Let's 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 work on that. So we'll uh, next time I'll start off with that. How about our Mount Rushmore of the greatest college basketball coaches? And I came up with this my pick some time ago and I went to write them down recently and I forgot them. I only remember one of them, maybe two. But anyway, I had some good ones. I actually know I remember three of them now, so I'll have to save them for next show. OK, so we'll talk Mount Rushmore sports, greatest college basketball coaches ever. One of them I don't think you're going to get unless you really, really know some history of college basketball. So we'll I'll, I'll maybe next time we'll do a little lesson. I'll educate you a little bit. All right. All right. So thank you for listening. I appreciate the time. Uh, follow me on Twitter at it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And until next time, which I hope will not be too long from now, thank you and have a great rest of your Thursday.